Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. I'm Eric Acker, the host, with Karen, my lovely wife and co-host. Hey guys. So we we do have actually show notes today, but we still do want to keep it short since we have pizza coming <laughs> we're doing the typical plan dinner start making dinner decide we don't want to eat that dinner and order takeout so pizza <laughs> should be coming here soon and we're just gonna bust out this episode before we <laughs> before we get to our pizza well and too we we uh, recorded late last week and so uh, we have a little bit less less to cover this week as well so it's, we're not jipping you we hope <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, we'll, we'll do our we'll do our best here. So we got a few notes here. Um, so either way, we we are still on our general surgery rotation, which means early mornings, <laughs> uh, trying to get up about four thirty and getting to the hospital by five thirty six o'clock to look at the patients, round on them, and then present to my preceptor before we do rounds or surgery or whatever we decide to do that morning. And so that's uh, been making for tired afternoons, I think. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I've been falling asleep more at home. As soon as I, as soon as I get home, I, I tend to fall asleep more. <laughs> if he sits in one place for more than five minutes, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Um, practiced the new suture technique the other day, um, which was slightly frustrating. We bought... <laughs> This might sound disgusting, but apparently one of the nurses had told Eric that uh, you should buy pig's feet or chicken feet and well, practice. No, pig's feet or just raw chicken. Oh, raw chicken. And I mean, they're all raw either way. Yeah, so. to practice suturing on, and it's better than the little gel whatever things. You, get the, you, you can buy these gel pads to practice your suturing, and they're okay. But I was having such, such difficulty yesterday because... I've been trying to practice a buried suture, and I am just tearing the pad up doing it. And maybe there's other pads that are more durable, but I figure, I think we paid like $6 for three pig's feet. I can make multiple cuts in the pig's feet, and and tissue, it will will feel a little bit more like tissue I'm going to be dealing with in the OR. So I'm I'm just trying to get a little bit more used to it. I didn't actually tell you this. We observed it today during one of his procedures in the office. The needle driver he is using, mm-hmm. and I think is commonly used in the OR, is a good like three inches longer than the one I'm using. Oh. Which is, I think, part of my issue with the at-home kit is I'm having such a hard time opening it the way with the uh, feeler eminence of your, like, basically your thumb, the lower part of your thumb there. And I'm just having such a hard time opening the needle driver that it, it's making it more frustrating than than not. So I think I'm going to try to look around to see if I can find the needle driver that's a little bit longer to practice with. I'll also practice with what, what I have because, you know, you got to use what you got. But sound, it looks like the one in the OR and the one in the, office is, in the office is longer and probably fits my hand a little bit better. All in all, I think the rotation's been going well. I, 
I think I, I alluded to my preceptor not really having a lot of conversations with us. He's not really there to mentor us to a large extent. He will drop his uh, bits of wisdom. I, I think late last week, uh, I had gotten into this habit of calling patients by their first name. Usually, like when I was growing up as a kid, we always referred to patients or people, people, sorry, by Mr. and then whatever the last name was. It was a sign of respect that I was raised with and I'm sure Karen to some extent was. Yeah. And somewhere along the way, I got really used to using first names. And I, and there's a few reasons why I like doing it. And some of it was, there's of course, there's like a more personal touch to it. But also, when you're walking down the hallway and you're talking about your patient, John, there could be like a dozen Johns in the hospital. And so like anyone over, that could overhear that conversation will still have no idea who you're talking about. And so... If you use the last name, like if you use, I don't know, Applebaum or something like that, (laughs) then they might, people might know who Mr. Applebaum is. And so I've gotten used to using first names because it's kind of a a shorthand way to conceal the identity of the patient. But my preceptor is not a fan of using first names. He thinks it kind of destroys the doctor-patient relationship. So I've been having to adapt (laughs) Because I, I I slipped up like even that same day after he told me he hates it, he doesn't want me to ever do it again. I slipped up a few times and used the first name. So now even on my notes, if I'm writing anything, I only write like the last name or the abbreviation of the last name, so I don't accidentally read off the first name. <laughs> so <laughs> some of that uh, adaptations that I am making. Um, well, anymore, like. Sometimes first names are really hard with the or last creative names. spelling. Well, well, first names can be hard as well. Last names can be hard too, I guess. If, you... if they're more exotic or whatnot, then they could be. Yeah. And I mean, and truth, truth be told, this is the same takeaway that Dr. Lomboy told me is I got to get better at pronouncing things. So I think a child. We has... had a child escape. <laughs> I was trying to think of some like examples because it's hard to explain like my preceptor to a lot of people because it's because he's gruff and he's very straight and to the point and in some ways you kind of it comes across as very blunt with a lot of patients and I, I don't know how that but at the same time I don't think it comes across poorly I think patients do appreciate it I at least I haven't seen a patient so far like react poorly to his demeanor and his mannerisms I mean it's I feel like as as a patient, you typically choose doctors that you. I mean, sometimes you don't get a well, choice, but typically, truth be told, like, these are surgeons, so like, these aren't like guys that you come and see every six months. Like these are guys you you see in the hospital when you're really sick. They do a, a big, big procedure on you. You see them at post op, and then you hope to never see them again. Yeah, and I mean that's that's kind of the surgeon lifestyle to some extent. Like that's kind of the appeal to a lot of surgery. Surgery, like if you're a medical student thinking, you know, what kind of medicine do you want to practice? One of the, probably one of the bigger appeals is that you might have repeat patients, but generally you won't have that many or you won't have that many, like, that you'll see constantly. You won't be taking care of the same issue for years and years and years. Or you might do an appendectomy on one patient and that patient comes back, you know, four years later and need a cholecystectomy and then you do that or they, you know, like, you might see them back later for other stuff that they might need or maybe they need a colonoscopy or whatever. 
they'll come back. So you might you might have continuity of care of your patients, but it's not like every six months you're going to see this guy. And yeah. there's some appeal to surgery from that perspective. If that appeals to you, that maybe you want to look at surgery a little bit. <laughs> anyway, I'm trying to, I, I try to write down certain quotes I find just kind of funny. And again, patients don't seem to mind when he says these things. He, he is very straight and to the point. He tries to tell, he tries to, I guess, be a straight shooter as much as he can. And then with me and uh, Chris, we're, we're just trying to stay out of his way and trying not to be too too awkward, I guess. Even today, I guess, he, he asked us if we were Eagle Scouts or Boy Scouts. And Chris had done some a stint in Boy Scouts, and I had, of course, gotten an Eagle Scout, and which prompted him to call us a bunch of nerds, and that was the end of the conversation. Uh, <laughs> which... <laughs> Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what prompted that. Like, anyway, but it, it's just it's funny, I guess. Um, so besides the surgery rotation, we have been working on a few things. We're building the list. I'm just gonna I'm gonna rattle off a few here, and I'll let you jump in. Yep. But we're, we're building a list for potential interviews or not interviews that would be amazing um voting <laughs> the list of where to send the application so karen has kind of taken charge of that and then we've been working on the audition rotation in michigan that a, a previous doctor i worked for was trying to help me out with so i'll provide an update on that in a second but karen's been t- taking charge of finding programs that we might be interested in so we did pay for uh, Match a Resident, which you submit some of your stats and it gives you a percentage likelihood that they will look at you. And so we... We're not sponsored by them. By no. The <laughs> we, we actually paid money for it. <laughs> so we... Well, I currently am looking at anything over, I think, 85% likelihood in... Uh, internal medicine, I'm going down the list and just putting in what they offer. So salary, benefits, if there's like a moving stipend, that, if you get a stipend per year for educational stuff, such as your tests or electronics or whatnot, I'll put that in. I do do a search of cost of living and then I, I am color coding them green as yes we definitely can afford to do this this looks like a good program just based on family stats yellow if yeah we can make this work and red if well we can apply we can apply but this is not our top we may not rank it high yeah this is not our top um and most of it is is this is this feasible for our family to to live right so that is kind of what i'm doing my goal is to get between five and 10 done a night. I haven't been making that <laughs> that goal this week, but... I think we're hoping to get about 200. I mean, we, I don't really want you just to, I guess, in my opinion, my, my goal for this isn't for you to make, go through the list of, I think there's like 530. No, I'm not going... I don't want you to go through the entire list. 558. Like, I, I just want you to be able to be like, nope, nope, nope. Find like 200 you know, was it green and yellow or yeah, green, green and, yellow. and yellow ones? And then if we really have to go dive into the red, try to figure out which red ones to go for. I'm, I think I'm aiming for around 200 applications to send out. 
Yeah. Well, least. and then after after I get through this, then I think in internal medicine you can look up like their um, first time pass rates for. Boards. Oh yeah, you can look at board first time pass rates for after they you know they've done their three years and they they want to take their board exam and yeah, which how, I don't. How have good does this program <laughs> do about producing people who pass the board the first time? Yeah, which I don't have access to right now, but I don't I don't need that right now. That's something we can go back and add to the spreadsheet later. But that that I feel like, and I could, maybe I'll change my mind in the future. I don't I haven't spent a lot of time thinking or looking at it, but they that I kind of feel like is. Much like going to a school and going, oh, what's their step one pass rate? Well, you're going to study, right? Like you're going to you're going to take the time to study, take the practice test, learn the material, and then you're going to take the test. Like the school does a lot to help you prepare, and how much they support you does. It could probably make a break the differences between pass and fail, and for some students. But uh, generally speaking, in my experience with our school, it, it is it weighs very heavily upon. You yourself as a student and your discipline and your study habits. So if you're struggling to sit down and study or you're struggling to get past some of the uh, prerequisite testing, so like in Trinity we do the CBSE, you're struggling to get past CBSE, then hopefully you are figuring out a way to study, to work on that material so that when you get past the CBSE, you can take step one. So... All that to basically say, I'm not really sure at this moment that if I, I would rule out a program based off of their board pass rates. Now, obviously, if it's really low, like if it's like 20%, you know, that, that could be concerning. Right, but in order of like, of ranking, of ranking the ones that we already are thinking we're going to apply to and when it comes to that ranking process of where you've interviewed and whatnot, it might be a factor that we look at. So I feel like it doesn't hurt to add it. Yeah. And this, this program match a resident. It's, I think it's like 80. I only got the, the general, the regular access. They have like a, I think a premium access that allows you to access them after the, sorry, access the information list after the match date. So if you're going to go through SOAP, then you can have access to this list. And I opted to, you know, roll the dice and not take the, not spend the extra money for that. But in either case, um, you put in information like your step one score, your IMG status, and uh, I believe, like, you know, if you passed step one in the first time, if mm-hmm. you tended to retake step one, etc. And it, I think they... Once I take step two, I'll add that in there as well, and I think that would give us a little bit more of an accurate representation of what we are looking for and what we... Because it's giving us, like, compatibility, like, hey, people with your similar stats have matched into these programs. And truth be told, um, AAMC Explore Tool, I think Frida, and there's another one out there, I think Doximity... And I, I, I'm, I'm missing one, but there's another, there's like three or four out there that kind of provide roughly the same information. I don't think this program is very unique in the fact that it like, it has, it brings you very unique information per se. Like it, it is, it is giving you like scores like, hey, people with your statistics have matched or gotten interviews at this program, whereas... 
it takes you a little bit of work to get to the same conclusion on the Explorer tool. So this is just a kind of a more cleaner aggregate of what's going on. Yeah. So well, there's a couple a couple nice things about this versus the Explorer tool because I've gone on the Explorer tool. This one will tell you your like as an IMG student your likelihood like this program really like likes IMG students. They're kind of so-so about it or you, it's a low shot that you have at it. It also will, I mean, this doesn't affect us, but it might affect other IMG students. It does tell you if they accept um, if the J-1, J-1 visa, visa yeah. which is not necessarily explicit on the Explorer tool. It's in there, but you really have, you to, have to scroll look for, for it. it and look for it. Um, whereas and this it. is just like your first, it shows up a box that has your your step one score, your step two score, your IMG rank high to low, um, your J-1 visa status, whether or not they would like you to have experience working at a U.S. hospital. So like a lot of um, IMG students have done... Um, They've done all re- their all clinical work at, in the country that they came from. Right. So whether or not that's going to affect you. So in a way, I think for IMG students, it might be worth it just to because it has all that information for you right there. I, I honestly think I think it's worth it just as a convenience factor. Like it is building a like it's building a list, whereas on the Explorer tour, you can put in all your stats and you can select a few states you want to look at and it will throw you every program that's offered in that state and then it'll throw different compatibility markers on each on the side. And so you have to kind of look through every program to some extent to see how compatible you might be. And then you have to click into it to see other th- other features. So yeah. And I'm still it's not having bad. It's not a bad tool, but this one I feel like is you get more information in one spot. Condensed, I still I do have to go to the program website to find salary and benefits and PTO and all of that. But there is another nice feature on this where it does have um, people who have interviewed at this program and what they have said about the interview process. So if you do get an interview, you can kind of look at it before you go um, just to see. So another thing I've been trying to do as I go through this is if I see something interesting on their website that they have mentioned in their video or something or a question that I think of, I will put it on the side. Eric may or may not use it later, but it might be useful. I'm sure that if he gets an interview, he's going to go and look at the website and he's going to watch the video himself and come up with his own questions. But sometimes it's just nice to <laughs> to have no, that. I, agree. I really do appreciate it. I think that's something I did request that you, if you're able to do, or you have time to do, just to do. Because I, I will, if I have a few interviews, I'm going to have, my electives going on and I have to do research on each place I'm interviewing and try to come up with an intelligent question to ask. Um, so that that's going to be, I think, pay off a little bit later in the end. But obviously, you, it's going to be hard to do that for 200 programs. Yes. So don't, you know, don't, <laughs> don't hurt yourself doing this. <laughs> no, it's when I have time. But I, I, I like having you be involved in this. Because A, it gets you an idea of what these programs look like and what one program looks like compared to maybe the next one if you go to the website. Also, you get an idea of live, you know, where would you want to live. And so I'm hoping that when you're going through these, obviously, uh, obviously like there's affordability, which is something that we kind of ran into when we were looking at a program in South Miami. 
livability does kind of matter when you have a family of six and soon to be a family of seven. So um, livability does matter. And so you do have to be, I guess, aware of where you want to go and location and can you afford to live there? What's the cost of living? Is the salary that's being paid, is it going to be taxed by state and local taxes? How much is maybe that going to set you back? If you're a single person... And it doesn't like, really this, matter. It, I mean, I'm, I'm almost confident that the salary they pay a resident is enough. Like, it's not extraordinary like you're not going to be buying a lamborghini or anything like that and you're probably not going to make a huge dent in your student loans but you will have enough to find an apartment and have a car and get yourself to and from the hospital but if you're a family of seven we obviously have to stretch that salary they don't of course increase the salary based on how many kids you have this isn't the military uh, <laughs> i'm not even sure the military does that exactly no. yeah i think it's just whether you have a dependent or something like yeah. that. Um, so we just have to be a little more cautious and, and conscientious of where we want to go, where can we afford to go. So thankfully we don't have high aspirations of being like New York City dwellers or anything like that. So that's not going to be a problem for us. <laughs> but I, I like having you involved because, again, I think you will have an idea that you're not just along for the ride that you actually have a kind of decision making process in this because I would again I would hate for us to get to I don't know match day and we've ranked I've ranked everything without considering all these other variables that you know will matter to the family and we match into a program that's like okay well we can't afford to live here so we're gonna have to figure out you living with somebody another fellow resident and we're living in some other place where we can afford to live. Or, hey, you know that RV idea? Yep. Uh, <laughs> that's happening. <laughs> and I'm not really wanting to do an RV. I'm, that's kind of not a thing I want to do, to be honest. I mean, there's no. people who love it. Uh, it's just just not for me. Um, anything else you... No, that's about it. I mean, we're I'm slowly working through it, and I figure I've got until... Are there some, like, immediate exclusions? Like, you see something, you just immediately go, nope, move on. Um, there have been a few uh, where you look at, I look at the salary, and then I, so my first step is I look for the salary, and I immediately look for what rent is and what houses cost in the area. And if those two don't match up, like I'm trying to, I'm gauging it based off of what we are living off of now. Which is good. And, um... Because we'll start paying back our loans while yeah. we're residents. Yeah. yeah. So right now, well, so I'm, that's what I'm gauging it off of is this is how much we can pay in rent. This is how much we can pay in food, et cetera, et cetera. And if it doesn't meet, meet up, then it immediately goes to red. The other red flag for me is when programs have, um no set amount of PTO or time off that you get it's like where negotiable it's or negotiable or um, on request upon request. And those, those concern me a little bit more, um, especially with such a large family. Yeah, there yeah. needs to be the ability to be like, I can't make it today. And this is why. Well, I like the idea of having set, I, my seven years of working as a surgery coordinator, I had PTO that cured by the hour and would roll over every year. And that was great. 
uh, because I would end up with like 300 hours of PTO by the time I was done working there, even after taking a couple mini vacations. So it was great for that. But I think as a resident, it's going to be probably important to take time off, especially in the intern year and other, other times. So having a set amount like, hey, you get three weeks off a year or whatever it is, and that's set, like you don't roll over into the next year, so you use it or lose it, does incentivize you to take a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> and, and actually it might be good for you to do. And some programs are better than others. Like one program I was looking at, like they will give you either Christmas day off or New Year's Day off. So you will get to have some sort of family time around that holiday. So even if you don't get Christmas off, you can do Christmas on New Year's with your family or whatnot. And other programs, like, and I, I think the one that I like the best right now has actual paternity leave. So, oh, I mean, interesting. I, I Are you think, planning on having no? I think this, this is our, I think this is our last one. <laughs> we haven't even had this conversation. Like <laughs> I we... think this is our last one. But I was like, oh, that's really nice. Where they actually specifically state it, and it was something that a lot of the residents had said in their like little mini interviews in the video that this was a very family friendly residency, and so that appealed to me because I was like, well, if it's family friendly, maybe that means that more families will be there, and I won't be completely unsupported if. Eric isn't there like there we can have a resident community as a, like you do in school you have your school community of families that way people can help each other out and it, having a community just really makes things so much easier for everybody like having somebody that Karen can talk to during the day while I'm working uh someone that, who could help show her around the around the city or have play dates with and so she Karen can have like adult conversations uh, it's, I think it's pretty valuable that was again one of those things I love I liked about being on the island is that there were a few good family a few families there and we could have I don't know there was like Wednesday pool days or something like that and so there was days where you know they would get together and uh, we could go out and see them and they could see us and it it was a good, I think, community building thing. Because a lot of times when you're married and have kids, this is my experience. Maybe that's just my personality. I don't know. <laughs> you don't get invited to a lot of events. You don't get invited to go to a lot of social gatherings. And so, like, I'm working, studying. Obviously, like, that's my, that's my work, studying. Uh, and doing my rotations. And I come home and I hang out with the family. And that's all great. But occasionally, you know, you want to know, you want to hang out with your peers and you want to uh, socially mingle in some way. I don't mean like go to the bar or anything like that, but you know, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to having a beer with somebody. <laughs> but it, you don't get invited to a lot of events. And, and I think it's partly because they go, oh, well, you're married and you have kids and a wife. So eh, we don't want to, you know, you, you, you're busy, so we don't want to invite you. Because you you're just you just don't have time. You, we're just doing you the favor by not inviting you, and that kind of feels kind of lonely after a while. Like especially when you hear people getting invited to events right in front of you, and you're just like, oh, well, that sounds like fun, but I'm not being invited. <laughs> <laughs> um, so having a family community is nice because then you have other people you can hang out with and see who are in the same life stage as you who also like to socialize and don't want to be uh, homebodies the entire time. So that was one thing I liked about Trinity, and then I guess that's something that we're also looking for in a residency program as well. 
Um, this is, I know, a little detour from that, but sometimes like looking at the website, like there are some websites that are not created, like websites are not created equal, period. Like there are webmasters and web designers who do a fantastic job. And then there are some that are like, I, I can't navigate this, you know, and I'm not computer illiterate. I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty tech savvy as it goes. Like these websites are just poor. Like they don't make it obvious of where you need to go. Like even there's one, I think it's Texas Tech. I don't mean to like, be completely mean here, but I went on it today to find out like how I can, might be able to do a four-year audition rotation with them. And you click on the link on their site for internal medicine, or maybe it was orthopedics, I'm not sure which, but, and you click on it and you take, go to the area where you're supposed to see a fourth-year electives, and it's blank. Like, there's nothing there. It, like, the only thing you see is the header where you can click on and see the menu options and then all of these site links on the bottom. So it's like, okay, well, you guys, you didn't design this website very well. It's kind of broken right now. Um, yeah, well, so, and there are some residency programs where, like, some of it, it's, like, you have your your intro, you have your salary and benefits, you have a sample contract, you have all these things which are great to look at, and then others, like, you can't find them anywhere. There's been a, a couple where I'm just like, dig for it. I can't find the information that I want, so I'm just going to rank this one low because I yeah. don't know. But then, then there are like this, and it's kind of funny. Like, so you have like these very professional websites and you have other ones that like they're broken in some way or another, they're neglected. But then you have others where it's like they have kind of more of a goofy feel to them. And it's not, it's not goofy like bad, but like, and there's like, so I'm, I'm thinking of the one in Tennessee and Ch Chattanooga. And what stuck out to that, to me about that program was that they had kind of funny pictures of all the people involved in the program, like the program director. It wasn't like him against a white background in his suit. You know, it's like a very straight looking face with a smile. And it very, wasn't a professional. It photo. wasn't a very, it was like him in front of his desk that's covered in pictures and there's no way in the world he is doing work at that desk because there's no workspace on the desk. Well, and all the pictures, you can tell all the pictures are his residents and their families and all this stuff. And he's, yeah, like they he's have like proud of what they've they, they accomplished. Have like resident life. Like you could click the link, like resident life. You want to know about what makes this program exciting and you don't have to read like, there's like zero words on the page. It's all pictures, and it's all goofy pictures, to be honest. Like, there's some where, like, families out doing activities, and there's some where there's, like, people uh, acting like they're trapped inside of a room while they're in, like, hazmat suits or something like that. Like, they're having a good time. So it's, like, sometimes, like, pictures are giving you a lot more insight into the program. Like, these residents are having a little bit of fun while they're working. That means... And it's not looked down upon. Yeah, it's like, it's, um, and this is on the main site. Like, they're actually promoting this. And so that, that to me goes, okay, this actually means that they're not super stuffy, that they, they try to have a good time. They try to learn, teach you, but you're allowed to have some fun. And that, I, to me, that, that was, that kind of stood out to me as a, wow, that might be a good place to check out. That might be a place we want to do. Um, and so, and you, know, you can kind of go to these websites and you can kind of find some really interesting stuff. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and that's a bit of a sidetrack. I don't even know if that, that, that residency is on the list, to be honest. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've come up against it yet, but 
Like there were, were there were things where we're like, well, Huntsville's really nice in Alabama, and like the first one I looked for and looked at in Huntsville, I was just like, well, we're not doing this program because <laughs> they have no guaranteed PTO days. Their website is really, it was really hard to find information, and then their benefits weren't as good as some of the other programs. Um, I mean, I don't want to sound super like I can pick and choose because at the well, end of the day, I'm just no, going to pick. The end of the day, I'll be happy to match anywhere. We are going to apply to 200 or more of the ones that would work best for our family as we should. And wherever God puts us, great. That's where we're going to go. And even if it's not in our top any <laughs> that we wanted, it's going to be what's, what's and I, right and I for I do want to, I guess, really underline the idea. Like, this is, like, looking at programs that my statistics would work for. It's not like these are all, these aren't reaches. Like, they shouldn't be reaches. They, they should, yeah. maybe a few of them are. Maybe, you know, you never know. Well, no, I'm looking at 85% and above. So anything yeah. below that, I'm not looking at. Um, and then once we put in the step two score, that's probably going to shuffle things around. So then we'll t- take a look at it again and see if there's anything new that we need to look at and yeah. reassess. And so like we're trying to keep the idea that you're not, you can have a few reach programs out there, I think. And, you know, things, strange things happen and you could land a, a program that's like your top program, but like it was obviously a reach, but you, you might land it, you know, you never know things can happen. But uh, the general wisdom you kind of get told is you don't overreach. Like if you have, like for me, like you have a if you don't have like the super awesome step one score and you have a three digit score, maybe you don't go and go for the like a Harvard or the Columbia Medical School residency programs or something like that. And IMGs, it's hard. I think it's harder for IMGs to land spots in universities that's kind of the thing i keep getting told but i don't know i haven't really looked too hard at it but in either case we're we're trying to find 200 programs that would work with my my statistics and hopefully work for our family so even if we we pass it on one there's there's like there's 558 that are on the list yeah. currently so so we're just trying to whittle it down to what we think might be the best options for us with the highest probability of us getting an interview. And one obviously it'll change once we put in step two. But and then the other the other thing you also have to recognize, and I'm gonna kinda of shift the topic here a little mm-hmm. bit, because this is one something that was discussed during um, a match panel. so we had the school had medical students who had matched do a panel where we can ask them questions about the process. And so while I'm on this thought, like yeah. we're gonna apply to 200 programs, and that was something that they mentioned is like you apply to like 200 programs, but you're going to get maybe you know a, a few people on the pro, on the panel got like 10 interviews. So like you apply to 200 programs, you get 10 interviews. That means you got 190 notifications that programs passed. <laughs> and so isn't that uh, you encouraging could, you, could, you can kind of feel like the whole process can be a little soul crushing because i mean imagine getting rejected 190 times now if you're the if you're like me that 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 kind of sucks if you're the optimist you're like but i you got 10 yeses dude like that's awesome like you're the optimist last half full like that's cool um i i'm not looking forward to obviously i don't want to do 200 interviews that sounds insane 
but I also am not looking forward to 190 <laughs> rejection emails. Eric is pretty dang hard on himself, and he can get himself down pretty dang easy. So I don't think that from September to January is necessarily going to be fun, and then March is not going to be a fun month. I'm just, just I'm brutally honest. To work on. Brutally honest, it's not going to be a fun month. I'm going to need to fix something. So, um, thankfully, like we will have a new baby at that point. We will have some distractions. <laughs> um, <laughs> we will. Ha- um, I think our lease is up in March, so we will be having to pack and move and fix anything around the house that um, needs to be fixed. And we'll have some projects. So. Projects always help. <laughs> yeah. But uh, going to go back to the, the panel there. Um, so there were other things I wanted to kind of mention, pass along as advice that people had given us as medical students. So people who have matched have taught, you know, some basic ideas that they, they ran into. So they said that a lot of the interviews per person that they interviewed with was about 15 to 20 minutes. That um, you, of course, would get asked why this specialty, why, why internal medicine, why family medicine, you get asked that question. So be prepared to answer in a very non-scripted way. They're obviously going to interview lots of people and they know when it sounds like a robot's talking to them and they know when somebody is uh, more genuine. I don't, it's hard to say genuine because like, like you genuinely want to be matched. Like you genuinely want to be a resident. <laughs> and... I, I know I don't interview well, so it's going to be uh, a bit of a trick for me to figure out how to present myself in a way that doesn't sound like I've practiced the line 14,000 times. Uh, you will get other questions. Some other questions are like, where where do you see yourself in five years? Um, where do you want to go after this residency? Um, what are your hobbies? And then uh, so, so kind of questions like that. And... Sometimes that, the, where you see yourself in five years and what do you want to do after this residency, it can expose you a little bit, something to kind of keep in the back of your mind, especially if you're interviewing at something that you consider maybe a backup. Like, let's say you're, you really, you really want to do uh, general surgery, but you threw a few family medicine programs in there, or you want to do emergency medicine, you have a few family medicine programs, or maybe you want to do family medicine, you threw some psych programs in there. I don't know. Um... But you want to be able to answer those questions because it can expose you if like you don't have a good answer for like where do you want to see where you want to be in five years if you're a family medicine doctor like and you kind of give this weird non-committal answer like what do you want to do after residency and it's like uh uh <laughs> like if you don't have a good answer you you might want to think about it a little bit because you you are gonna want to give a good answer that does seem like you've thought about being a family medicine doctor or an internal medicine doctor, whatever it might be, and that you have some kind of commitment to the field that, oh, if you're going to be, a, I'm going to be an internal medicine doctor after I graduate, like if I, maybe I'm looking at fellowship and this is the location I would want to be at, or I want to try to, you know, be close to family and I want to be able to practice in this kind of community, or I, I haven't gone through this myself, so I don't have a very good explanation or answer. So those are some, and they did mention the area in the in the um, talk where you can actually indicate on your application. Yeah, you can flag uh, different regions. Uh, I think I've heard that you can flag six or seven programs, 
and that might get indicate like, hey, take a look at me, and they might actually look at you as opposed to being filtered out from, you know, some process. So that's something to also think about as well. Which you know, which seven programs are you going to flag? Which region do you want to flag? I, I've heard I mean, the ACP conference. They talked a little bit about it, and the program directors had kind of mixed feelings about whether they would put a lot of weight on geographical flags or if they would put more weight on uh, just the, the typical program flag. So I don't know. I don't want to lead anyone down the wrong path on that. But that's something to also consider. Um, oh, uh, one of the uh, one of the residents, now residents, uh, mentioned that there's like a deadline for that. Like it's called a supplemental or a secondary application. And it has to be done by a certain date in September. And so when the applications go live, it goes with your application. Otherwise, if you don't have it together, when the applications go live, it goes later. So there's like a deadline somewhere in September during the match cycle that you want to make sure your supplemental application is ready to go. Yeah. And that's like before your primary application is ready to go. It's, it's kind of how he explained it and so if you want to take, take as much advantage of that you want to program the to, to see that you've signaled or flagged them then you want to make sure you're kind of on the ball and I know that's going to be a bit tricky for me because I intend to be in an audition rotation in September well you are in an audition well I mean the providing step two I goes pass <laughs> as long as I pass step two I should still be in an audition rotation which is why I, I'm trying to work through the matcher resident because I feel like that will help us after Eric takes step two focus on getting his application all set up so when it comes to what, September 15th or 20th or whatever date it is, we already have most of it in there. We just have to, sub you just have to submit. Yeah. And it's not something that is like hovering over you while you are trying to do an audition rotation. We're just trying to be as prepared as possible. Yeah. Uh, some other advice they gave, uh, and this one I'm actually going to caution against. Uh, so one of the advice given was when asked what you know what questions do you have for the program this is why karen's making some notes i'm going to do a lot of uh, research when we get interviews uh, they they tend to ask you at some point well what questions do you have for us what do you questions do you have about the program and a lot of times students don't have good questions uh because we're generally just nervous we're just happy to be there you know and like and, you know, a lot of things are answered on the website, so you don't want to ask something that's obviously on the website. It indicates that you haven't even bothered to look. Um, so sometimes there's a temptation to go on to places like Reddit and Student Doctor Network and find questions that are like, you know, oh, these are great questions to ask program directors. And one, one that kind of kept being promoted on even this match panel was... They want to say, oh, you should ask the program director if you had a limited number of funds or, you know, whatever amount of money, how would you change your program? And I'm going to caution against it because of what I heard at the ACP conference. When we talked to program directors, that was one that they actually talked about and complained about is that students would, they, 
They they, they go onto these it. same forums as we do. Like they they're interested in knowing what medical students are thinking, and they're certainly looking at because Reddit has I think different forums for how interviews went and which programs they're leaning towards and they have an interest in knowing if medical students are interested in their program and how to uh, look more attractive or whatever and so they'll, they'll see these forums where people are like oh this is a great question to ask and these program directors at the ACP conference were like we constantly got asked that question and it's all because they all you know read the forum and someone said it was a great idea you know it kind of turns the table on the on the program director and gets them to think really hard about the, the flaws of the program. It's like, it's all very good. But like after the 500th person has asked that question, you do not sound original. Like that's not an original question. That's not a, and then, you know, I, you know, I imagine you having to answer that question 500 times. Like you might, you might kind of despise the person asking you. I'm not saying that they do, but like obviously some people do get matched and despite asking dumb questions or asking questions that are um, taken from Reddit. But that was something I was I would I really strongly advise not to do. Uh, maybe find your own questions, and if you see it on Reddit, maybe find a different one because you really don't want to be kind of at, you know the six hundredth person to ask that question to that same program director. Um, what else? And there was other thing, and this is something I had to spend a little bit more time thinking and looking at. Uh, apparently, there are residencies that are opposed and unopposed. Uh, this is not something I've ever put any thought into before this match panel. And apparently, opposed residencies are residencies that have other residence specialties in uh, in concert. So, like you have pediatrics and family medicine. So if you might need to see a certain number of pediatric patients, you might have to compete with the pediatric residents in order to see those patients. And so that would be an opposed residency. So you have a little bit more competition to make sure, I think certain residencies and most residencies, you have to see certain number of patients and in varieties of, of whatnot. So you have to kind of jump through a few hoops and do a few things. And so opposed can be trickier depending on where you go. Uh, unopposed basically I think just means you don't have to fight with other residents for your patients. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I have talked to certain residents in like, I think for the one I talked to was in general surgery and she had mentioned that while they are not, I don't think they were an opposed residency because cases were of such high value that as a first year intern resident, uh, the third and fourth years who need to make their numbers on surgery cases would bump them off of cases. So that's also something to consider is, is there enough cases to go around as a first year? Am I gonna, is, is uh, senior residents able to bump me off cases in order to meet their quotas? So something to think about. Um, that's, it's a lot. It's a lot going kind of going on there, but I did want to touch on the match panel. Um, again, this Trinity's SGA put that on, and it was that's uh, a lot of good information, a lot of good opportunity to talk to people. And um, if you're a school or if you're in Trinity, you have opportunity to kind of sit on some of these things. Sometimes it's good information to hear. Uh, as as with all advice, including mine, you got to <laughs> pick and choose what is going to work for you. Um, you can't. Uh, all through medical school, you're going to get told like a thousand different things. Uh, the best way to do this is this. 
uh, you know, the best way to study for pathology is to read the pathology textbook. And the best way to study for pathology is to do pathoma videos and questions from WebPath. Like, there's like a thousand different ways people have gotten through pathology. Maybe not a thousand, but a few. Um, and you just have to find the way that's going to work best for you, that's going to work in your wheelhouse. So, uh, the only other thing on our list, and I'm trying to decide if we, we're getting a little bit long here. Um, we can save it for next time. We'll save it for later. So, but, yeah, as always, <laughs> take what we say as a grain of salt. I mean, medical school is ever changing. <laughs> we're learning new things all the time. This is just where we're at today. Um, hopefully it's helpful to you and where you are at, um, at least food for thought. Um, as always, follow us on Instagram, MedFamilyMD. Feel free to shoot us any questions through there or anything that you would like to hear. Uh, we are working on a few, um, but with this... I, I, <laughs> It, it's a lot of schedules to juggle, so we are trying. We're trying our best here. <laughs> um, and then you can listen to our podcast pretty much anywhere, Just I think. Just about any yeah, podcast. Uh, feel free so. to read us if you want, and we would appreciate that. If you have any questions, let us know. Bye. Bye.